and make follower people in the world. Is them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've been talking recently about the hope that we have. We've been talking about the resurrection, the end times. We've been talking about what it means to be people of God, what it means to be the new humanity. We spoke about our values and our and the virtues of a Christ follower. If you remember, in the last few weeks, been talking about virtue and what it means to be people whom God calls his own, that you are God's people. And, and the Bible presents this vision of these human beings that are part of his kingdom. And I like this word, flourishing. Say, so are you flourishing? Are you a flourishing human being? And I, I don't quite fully want to know what that word means, but I want to be flourishing. Sounds very flowery, but I'm not sure that's what it means. But this flourishing vision the Bible has for the humanity is a holistic vision, spiritually, physically, to be someone who excels. Maybe that's what it means. Maybe someone that just is, has got it right. And I don't always feel like I've got it right. But I have that vision. And I join with the Bible's vision. Because all of us, you know, all people, God is calling. God is calling all people. We have to believe that. That he's calling each and every one of us, even those who may be far away, maybe those who have got their own plans and their own ideas, but God's calling them away from self-worship. Isn't that a thing today? What is me? It's all about me. From self-worship, he's calling us away from idolatry and he's calling us into the service of his king. And Jesus is that king of kings, amen? He's calling us to be reconciled to the one true God whom he revealed through Jesus Christ, his only son. And through the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is building a kingdom and he's using us, his people. And I tell you, that's something I want to be part of. I don't know about you. I'm part of his kingdom. And as part of his kingdom, I'm going to listen to the commands of the king and I'm going to say, you're my king. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. So Jesus says, so now go, go. And it's almost like, what part of go do you not understand? Make followers, baptize them. And we're going to have baptisms next week. I'm so excited about that. Because baptism is that significant moment in your life when you say, listen, I'm coming out of my old life and I'm coming into a new life. And be in a significant time in your life that you want to say, yes, I'm all in. And literally, we get in the water and we go all in. How many are all in for the kingdom of God? Let me just see your hand. Come on. I'm all in. I might as well not have notes this morning, but I'll do my best. You know, we spoke recently about the hope that we have, the resurrection, the end times, the transformation and renewal of the entire created order. You know, when Jesus came to announce this kingdom is coming, first thing he says is, I came to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to proclaim that this is now the year of the Lord. And then he says, today this scripture is fulfilled. And that's his first so. And his last thing he's saying, so now you guys go and preach.
preach this good news. Just as I came to preach repentance and baptism, that's what Jesus preached. That's what the first apostles preached in Acts chapter 2. You see how Jesus is inaugurating his kingdom. He's like the first fruits of what's happening. And now he's saying to his disciples, come on, guys, it's your turn. And he's thrown down the gauntlet, the challenge, and saying, come on, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit around just hiding, cowering, or will you be filled with the Holy Spirit in not many days from now and you will be these witnesses because the Spirit's power will enable you and that word power is like dynamite power. It's like not just authority power, but it's dynamite power. And Jesus begins this and he's talking about his kingdom and it's not this earthly idea of a kingdom, but a kingdom where there is no more suffering and no more pain And human beings are flourishing, there's that word again, as God originally intended. You know when something isn't used for its purpose, you know, like uh, you get a screwdriver and you troll, and you think, this is just not working. And and some people are like that screwdriver, you know, they're, they're, they're not being used for what God's called them to be used for. And if you're a hammer, you need to be a hammer. And if you're a screwdriver, you need to be a screwdriver. And if you're a Christian, you need to be following Christ and making disciples. And if you're feeling lost and out of place, are you doing what God's called you to do? I just think we need to throw down a gauntlet of challenge like Jesus did to his disciples. Are you doing what you're meant to be doing? And the kind of flourishing that he wants us to have, as I said, it's material flourishing. God wants the best for us physically, emotionally. He wants the best for us spiritually. You know, God looks at the whole thing, not this dualistic kind of Greco-Roman idea of dualism, separating the spirit and the, the physical. But God wants us to come as one being to him. The end time. This view of our resurrection hope that we spoke about a few weeks ago, he says, there's coming a time when none of you will need to say to your brother or sister, know the Lord, because they'll all know them. You know, for I hear that and I think, well, we're not in that time. I know plenty of people who don't know the Lord. So we're not in the end time as yet. Never again will an infant live a few days or an old man not live out his years. The wolf and the lamb will feed together and the infant will play near the cobra's den. And it is also said that creation itself will be liberated from bondage and decay and brought into the glorious freedom where the children of God will rule and reign as originally intended there in Genesis. No more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away and God is making everything new. I tell you, there's a vision for the end time. That was just my thoughts. Here we are, back to Matthew 28. The context of this scripture, let me just read uh, verse 18, 19 and 20. And it, Jesus says this to his disciples. All power in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go and make followers of all the people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I have taught you and I will be with you even to the end of the age. 
This is called the Great Commission. And just like a commissioned officer that represents the Queen, we through our baptism into Christ have been commissioned by the King of Kings to represent Christ here on earth by calling others to follow Jesus, to teach them and to obey everything that Christ has taught us. That's what we're supposed to do. Now we're supposed to pass that on to others, making new followers of Christ, welcoming for knowing that the Holy Spirit through Christ is helping us and he's with us every step of the way. Three quick points this morning. I'll do it in reverse order. He talks about how he's with us to the end of the age and he's going to be with us. And it's different Christ with us is different to how he will be with us in the end when he is revealed to us fully. When we know him, we'll see him as he is and we'll be like him. That's at the end. But he is with us now and not yet. But it's no less real. The presence of God is no less real through Christ being with us now than it will be in the end of the age when he'll be with us in full and Jesus will be king and you know, talking of the end times, the disciples wanted to know how is this going to come about? When is this end that you're talking about? And if you skip back to Matthew um, 24 and verse 3, Jesus is asked about the end and what's going to happen. And Jesus, it says, on the Mount of Olives, his followers came alone with him and said, Tell us, when will these things, these things happen? What will be the sign that it's time for you to come again and for this age to end? And then he talks about all these pre-signs, you know, like wars and famines and disasters and all this kind of apocalyptic kind of stuff that, you know, people have written books about and there's even been movies about. But many scholars, even those books and all those things that people took all in the end times, you know, that... They're missing the point. Skip down to verse 14, which most scholars think this is the definitive sign of the end and consider this the key task of the church. And he says this, verse 14, the good news about God's kingdom will be preached in all the world to every nation. That word nation is people group. Then the end will come. One translation says, then and only then will the end come when the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ has been preached. And some say this is the only sign. This has to be done. You know, we can look at the situation of our world and we can look at it and think things are getting worse and worse or we can look at it like what an opportunity it is to bring the good news. You know, you look at the signs of the end and you think, This is an opportunity. You know the difference between people who make it and people who don't make it? Because people see their problems as opportunities and see their challenges and say, okay, what is God doing here? How can God, how is God going to turn this around for for his good? My second point, what are we doing while we're waiting for the final trumpet call, the resurrection that we're waiting for? And this is why Jesus says, teach them and baptize them. And this is exactly what the disciples uh, set out to do as followers of the King of Kings. And Peter especially takes things seriously, this great commission. Almost word for word, Acts chapter 2, let's read it, verse 38. Peter, what shall we do? He gives a great sermon and then they say, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, change your hearts and your lives and be baptized, 
each and every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. The key here is not just that Peter preached a good sermon, but there was a call to respond. I think when we hear the word of God, there's always a call to respond. I say if you've not been baptized... We have an opportunity next week. If you haven't taken that, you know, opportunity to share your faith with someone, then, you know, we're going to talk about that and we're going to help you do that too. But the example that Christ set, right there from the beginning, my job is to preach good news. You know, and then he sets the commission in place and he says to his disciples, you're going to follow in my uh, footsteps and you're going to do this. You remember how he trained them in Luke chapter 9 to... To, um, to heal the sick, to meet the needs, to accept hospitality and give people the good news that the kingdom of God is near. Not the end is nigh, but the kingdom of God is near. There's a different message there, isn't there? And our task today has not changed. And one day when creation will fully know Jesus as the King of Kings and then the people who know him will join him in ruling and reigning. But that is not yet. So we have a, a task to do. My final point, I think, is a key one, how Jesus begins this. And he says, all authority and power belongs to me. Following his resurrection, Jesus took this place of and position of power. And it's key for those disciples to understood who had the power, who had the authority. And it's key for us to know today in the training session in Luke chapter, chapter 9, they come back and they're amazed at what God's done through them. Seventy got sent out in pairs and Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning when you guys were operating, giving the good news. The signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will heal the sick. They will pick up serpents. That's, that's Mark's version of the Great Commission. I'll get there in a second. I'll read that in a second. But they were astonished that they had the same authority that Jesus had. And now Jesus was leaving. He had to say to them, you're going to have the Holy Spirit. He's going to fill you and anoint you. And you're going to start to do things and even greater things because I'm passing my authority, delegating it to you. So Jesus doesn't expect us just to go out there and teach and preach and and call people to repentance without him enduing us with his power and helping us and giving us the same kind of authority that he had. You know, the, the idea that Jesus has all power and authority, and he talks about the Son of Man, and you read that in Daniel. I've had time this morning, Daniel 7:14. He talks, uh, the Son of Man has authority. Although he looked human, he had the strength of a king, and, and everyone came to serve him, and his rule will last forever, and his kingdom will never be destroyed. You know, that's, that's the kind of king that they were looking for. In Jesus' time. And there were so many questions about Jesus' authority. You know, and, he said, and in Mark chapter 2, isn't it? He says, just so you know that I have the power to forgive sins. He heals the paralytic and raises him up. And he says, calls himself the Son of Man. And they would have understood what the Son of Man was. Because they probably had read Daniel. That the Messiah had this ultimate authority and position. And it's good to know that we're following someone that has God himself backing him up. And also when we step out in obedience, 
we know that we can too step out in that authority um, as we come under that authority. That's what the centurion, when he came to to um, to Jesus and he said, come and heal my son. Uh, Jesus said, yeah, of course I'll come. And he says, listen, I'm a man who understands authority. If you say it, it's done. And he marveled at this centurion that understood authority. I tell you, as believers, with the Great Commission, we need to understand authority. Mark 16, verse 15 to 20 says it like this. Go everywhere into the world. Tell the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, and anyone who does not believe will be punished. And those who believe will be able to do these things as proof. They will use my name to force out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up snakes, drink poison without being hurt. They will touch the sick and the sick will be healed. After, uh, be healed. After the Lord had said these things, he was carried up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Right hand speaks of that authority, position of authority, doesn't it? And the followers went everywhere in the world and told the good news to people. And the Lord helped them. And the Lord, they told, was true by giving them power to work miracles. Jesus' transfer of his authority to his disciples. He speaks about it earlier, doesn't he? He says, listen, the Gentiles, they have power and authority and they use it to dominate others. But it's not going to be like that with you. But you're going to operate in my authority as a new community of believers and those believers they clashed with the political world around them Um, they lived as this new uh, humanity and they lived as people who are truly people of God I spoke about that before but they lived as these flourishing isn't that a lovely word flourishing human beings that were living with a greater purpose than just themselves They were these commissioned officers operating in the name of the King of of Kings, representing Jesus Christ on earth, calling others into fellowship with God, calling with them, teaching them to obey everything that Christ has taught them and passing that on to others. I think that's the key, isn't it? Not just knowing God for ourselves, but passing that on to others I tell you Jesus left us a job to do it's called the great commission for a reason it's called that because we are commissioned we are given this task but we're not just given the task we're given the authority all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me go and make disciples and followers of me Baptize them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've taught you and I'll be with you even to the end of the age. Let's just pray, shall we? Jesus, I pray that your words the years ago will not fall on deaf ears today how you threw down the gauntlet to your disciples to take up your mission. Let us hear those same words today. And let us pick up that gauntlet. Let us pick up that baton. Let's run the race that you've called us to do. Let's go into all the world. Let's go into our world. 
whatever our world looks like, let us go with your good news. For your good news is the power of God unto salvation. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Give us the boldness, Lord, to preach the gospel in your name. And let us see your power at work in our lives and in the lives of our world around us. Help us, Lord, to be those flourishing human beings that you've called us to be. Let us live with that resurrection hope, knowing that your kingdom is here, but it's also not yet that we look forward to those days when your peace will just rule and reign in this whole earth and your glory will fill the earth as the water covers the seas. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to sing our final song. Amen, guys.